Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You're you're, you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. Nick Wilson, Spencer German. It is our midweek edition. And uh, not only today do we have to get in the Michigan panic meter, not only to get fourth and long, we will preview the Rutgers game, as I go full Christopher Walken, and we get started with what we promised at the end of yesterday's show, or this weekend's show, Time is a Flat Circle, and that is the idea that Marvin Harrison Jr. should be a Heisman frontrunner, and at least right now, Spencer, from the gambling side of things, he is not one of the four favorites to be the Heisman uh, hopeful. As a matter of fact, he's actually quite a long shot at this moment. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. By the way, I, I think like, we need to just have it be a running bit on the show that I see how many different rooms I end up uh, recording from. Because this is now the we've we've done what this is episode four, I think that we're doing, and I've been in a different room I think every single time. So gotta love it. I, I actually <laughs> like the idea of just having you record out on um, the the street here in Cleveland to see <laughs> how many potential illegal things like we, you know, we've been you know in the Halley building here, we get a nice view of somebody peeing on the wall occasionally. Um, there are people. I, thought, well, I, to- I was in the room that you're in right now on, on Saturday. And I thought that's what was going to happen because it was Saturday night of Halloween weekend in downtown Cleveland. Who knows what I'm, sort of I'm- festivities are going on. I'm surprised and a little disappointed there was no fondling in the background. Like, listen, I I don't necessarily want to put pornography on the internet. There's already enough of it out there. (laughs) But if it helps us get more people to rate and subscribe and follow the Sons of the Shoe podcast, either on the 92 Through the Fan (laughs) YouTube page or wherever to get their podcasts, I would be very happy if a little bit of pornography took us a long way. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm not asking too much here, Cleveland. It's it's one of those uh, no publicity is bad publicity, right? Like if hey, if there's yep. uh, something something going on in the background, like hey, it only helps our cause. Maybe awful announcing picks it up, and then we're we're good to go. It, the show I, takes off. I mean, Barrett Sports Media, all the big blogs, <laughs> and it just maybe maybe we get a, a moment with uh, uh, I don't know whoever's on Good Morning America. Maybe we get a Strahan moment, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm just dreaming big here for the podcast. I can just envision him asking, "What were you thinking?" And I was thinking, I was thinking I could have done it better. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, so I mentioned um, 
I mentioned the odds favorites for Marvin Harrison Jr. And remember, in the last 35 years, there have been three wide receivers to win the Heisman. Uh, Devontae Smith in Alabama in 2020. Desmond Howard was the last guy before that, 1991, in Michigan. And then Tim Brown in Notre Dame in 1987. But Michael Penix is once again the odds-on favorite uh, on FanDuel, plus 270. Then J.J. McCarthy at plus 300. Uh, Jaden Daniels of LSU. Again, it's a quarterback award. Um, He's plus 450. Fourth is Bo Nix, plus 550. And then Jordan Travis is plus 750. And he's the fifth best odds. And then Marvin Harrison Jr., who Mm. get this, plus 1,400. So today... I, I had uh, $14.92 left in my FanDuel account, and I put it all on Marvin Harrison Jr. So I'm if I win, after the show here, for sure. if I win, I got $200 coming my way there you go. on the, uh, the Marvin Harrison Jr. long odds. Yeah, I, I might have to throw some money on there as well. The $1,400 feels too good to pass up. Because here's the thing, like th- th- these these odds change so much week to week just based off of generally, just based off I think I think, let me backtrack for a second. I think this year in particular, because there's certainly years where like there's a there's a favorite, they just run away with it, they take off, and their team keeps winning, so they're still in the conversation. But this year, we've seen so many different teams lose, so many different upsets, so many close games. Like teams are just begging to lose. Florida State was begging to lose a couple times. Washington's been begging to lose the last couple weeks. Even Ohio State, to an extent, has been begging to lose a couple times. So I think like this year more so than even most years, it, it feels like this could change – still several more times before the end of the season. And for Ohio State's case and for Marvin Harrison's case, it almost does feel like if you get to that Michigan game, this could truly come down to like if J.J. McCarthy has a really good game against Ohio State and finishes off an undefeated season for Michigan, then we're talking about him being a Heisman front runner. Or if Marvin Harrison Jr. puts up massive numbers and Ohio State, even if they're – I'm assuming they're not going to be ranked ahead of Michigan, but even if they somehow were – I think most people would still feel this is they're going into that game as an underdog. And I do feel like Marvin Harrison puts up big numbers. Like if he contributes massively to helping you upset Michigan, then yeah, like I, I think that script maybe flips just even in that last week of the regular season. So I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. I, I think all the names you kind of brought up make some sense. I think Penix was probably the, he still is the odds on favor, but he was the, I think the person after Caleb Williams lost a couple weeks ago and he beat Oregon. But you, well, I guess it doesn't matter. Conference champion, Dude, conference championships are. After no, 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 conference championships count towards the Heisman, correct? Yeah, they do because yeah. it's the week after. It's the Army Navy Saturday, is that they announce it? So, yeah. Um. So yeah, like maybe one of them, maybe Bo Nix or Penix would win it based off of how those two teams played each other in a Pac-12 championship game. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But it's it's interesting how this year it does feel like the field is super super wide open. And what's crazy about it to me is like, one, I, I'll be honest with you, sometimes the Heisman conversation can be a little tedious. Like yeah. the idea that that Caleb Williams has had two bad games and that's done for him. It's like, oh man, like I, I, there. I'll be honest with you. I think the Heisman is as much of a narrative award as it is a factually correct. This is the most, this is the best uh, offensive player, defensive player, best player overall in college football. And so sometimes that's tedious, but like 
just because it's true for one position group doesn't mean it's another. Like if there was another wide receiver having the year that Marvin Harrison Jr. is having, where it's apparent he's the most important player on his offense by a wide margin, that if there was another Devontae Smith in this year, the wide receiver votes would cancel each other out. And that's yeah. not really happening, or that doesn't usually happen on the quarterback market. Like, unless it's like, like this is actually something that I'm really curious to see how it plays out, is you've got five quarterbacks ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. And right now, I don't know if that helps his case or hurts his case. Because on one hand, I could think, well, maybe uh, the, the Pac-12 votes will, can't, you know, Bo Nix and Penix, if they're really, really close at the end of the year, maybe some of those votes will cancel out. On the other hand, I'm like, maybe people just, there's so many quarterbacks, they'll just lock into, well, who's the best quarterback? And then it becomes what I think it becomes most years, which is who's the best quarterback instead yeah. of who's the best player in college football. Yeah, I, 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 I think, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I just, I and you know what? I will save that thought because I, <laughs> I want to explore more the idea of it as a quarterback solely um, entity, but... Uh, I, I talked a lot there. It's your no, 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 no. I, I mean, the thing is, um, so I, I kind of crunched the numbers on where he's at in terms of Devontae Smith the year he won. Um, and so for the regular season, plus the a conference championship game, Smith, Devontae Smith finished in 2020 with 98 receptions and just over 1,500 yards. Right now, Marvin Harrison is at 48 receptions and he has 889 yards. So, uh, and then touchdowns, he actually – this is this is kind of wild, is um, because you 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 mentioned Desmond Howard obviously, and when mm -hmm. you go down the list of like receivers who have won, it's it you it's 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 like a it's like going into a time capsule and realizing how things have changed because back in 1991, Desmond Howard won the Heisman. He had 61 receptions and 950 yards. Like that seems like nothing for some of these top tier receivers. I mean, Marvin Harrison's already almost at 950 yards right now in eight games. Like that's that's. You know, talk about the league changing or the sport changing. That's certainly a testament to that. But somehow he actually had more touchdowns. He had 19 touchdowns that year than mm. Smith actually finished with in 2020. Again, at the end of the conference championship season uh, with 17. So um, and that probably has a lot to do with just like Alabama had a, a, a embarrassment of riches. They were spreading the ball around so he didn't get quite as many. But at the same time, like it's, it's just interesting how that's that, that's kind of changed over time. Um, so yeah, like I, I guess numbers wise, like Marvin Harrison essentially needs to get about 600 more yards in the next four games and mm -hmm. to sort of be on par with what Smith did. But I think Nick, like it, it's going to ultimately come down to, again, that, that Michigan game, if Ohio state wins that game and he puts up, say he has a touchdown and over hundred yards receiving, like that could be the thing that sets him apart. You, you know, Ryan day, goes into all these post-game press conferences and he's asked a question about Marvin Harrison Jr. And he laughs because he's like, same answer as always, best player on the planet. Like, yeah. And I think he has a point in that. But at the same time, like, we know that they're going to look at the numbers. And if he's going to top a quarterback, because we know how important that we, – we know, to your point, that the quarterback position is always going to get elevated in this conversation. If he's going to top one of these quarterbacks, I, I think he's going to have to be on par with, like, the, the Devontae Smith numbers – and they're going to have to beat Michigan. Like, those are the two things that absolutely have to happen if he's going to have a shot. Well, I think what helps him is that McCord is is just a mid-quarterback. And I think – Does that help him, though, or does that hurt him, too? Because if he can't get the number – like, there's been some Doug games he's had early in the season, too. Not that – the last few have been great. 
But with the Doug games in there, like if he has another Doug game down the second part of the season or the last part of the season here, maybe you're talking about like, well, if he had a better quarterback, maybe he would actually have more of an argument. I think it only matters if he has a dud game against Michigan. Um, I think he can have a dud game against Rutgers. I don't think he will. I can think he can have it against Michigan State. He can have it against Minnesota. But at the end of the day, if it, it, it really does come down to, can you get 150 yards and two touchdowns against Michigan? Because if you do that and Ohio State wins, no one's going to look at that and give Kyle McCord credit because we all know who he is. Even Travion Henderson. And like Travion Henderson is... If Travion was healthy, Travion might have stolen some of those votes from Marvin, but because he hasn't been healthy, it's not, that's not going to hurt him. So like, yeah, really, it really comes down to, honestly, I look at the next three games as an opportunity to pad your stats in a way. And so then if you just go out there and have like a normal game where it's like you mentioned, like a hundred yards and a touchdown, but everybody goes, well, that's the best player on the field. Then all of a sudden you overtake uh, JJ. And I really just think like, get to the top three, get to the top three, and then you're at least in the mix and then it becomes a conversation. I, I think, listen, I think plus 1,400 is is generous right now. I think the reality is something drastic has to happen either with his performance statistically or or with some of these quarterbacks continuing to have fall back to the earth. Like a couple of weeks ago, Panix had it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Bo Nix had it. And like, yeah. they're still ahead of him. Now, that's in gambling odds. That doesn't mean that that's in the voters' minds. But I'll be honest with you. I think we know when Vegas is pointing towards something that that's there's, – there's a reason those guys are the favorites. It is because it's a quarterback award. And I don't – you know, man, I'll be honest with you. I, The fact that it mirrors the NFL MVP to me. And, like, the NFL MVP is meaningless to me because it's it's just who's the best quarterback. And And granted, Mahomes is on a different level. And Joe Burrow has been at a different level. And Josh Allen has had moments where he's at a different level. And I get how important the quarterback is to the actual just wins and losses. But, like, there have been times where Derrick Henry was more important than the best quarterback because of how Tennessee plays. And the context of a player's value does not get added into often enough unless that player is a quarterback. And the idea that now that's happened in college where I was it 11 of 13 Heisman since 2010 have been quarterbacks. If you go all the way back an extra decade, I think it's like eight more players were quarterbacks. That's asinine. Like college to me is the one spot where as much as an elite quarterback matters, look at what Marvin Harrison Jr. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is as important to Ohio State success as in my opinion, like, Caleb Williams is to USC or Michael Penix Jr. is to Washington. But that context traditionally just doesn't carry enough weight because quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And honestly, the biggest problem is I'm not sure Heisman voters are paying attention over the last 20 years, despite having more things to like watch. They're not paying as attention individually to these guys as they might have been in the 90s when they could watch one game a week and they got one look at another Heisman player yeah, yeah. per year. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, with you that it, and it's the same thing kind of applies in the NFL where the award has just become strictly quarterbacks. And it's almost like, should you have an award for quarterbacks? Or should you have a, a reward, an award for everybody else? Um, and it's, it is unfortunate. And here's the thing, Nick. Like, I was, as we were kind of getting ready for this conversation, I went in and kind of looked up just the stats for 
the some of the top Heisman quarterback candidates. So I pulled up J.J. McCarthy. I pulled up Penix. I had pulled up Caleb Williams just for comparison purposes. I understand he's kind of McCarthy. He's at yeah, he's got a great completion percent, seventy eight percent of his completed passes. But again, like who have they played? And he's only got eighteen hundred yards passing. Like. He's on pace for, I think, just over like 2,600 yards, which if you go back and you look up the history of the Heisman Trophy and quarterbacks who have won it, uh, the passing yards for these guys, uh, the lowest total is like 2,500 yards. Ironically enough, that was by Troy Smith in 2006. So like that's the lowest total of uh, passing yards that, that that's kind of been a Heisman winner. Um, there's basically five total guys who have won the Heisman with under 3000 yards passing for the regular season. And this, some of these were like pre conference championship game as well. Um, so that obviously matters as matters into this conversation too, but like, he's not even necessarily on pace to hit, um, like a, a lower total, for example, maybe of like Marcus Mariota through for like, well, that's actually kind of higher 3,700 for the, for the regular season is pretty good. Um, uh, but like Tim Tebow in 2007 through for 3,132 yards. Like McCarthy's not even on pace to hit that. And Tebow arguably is like the greatest college football player of all time in some people's eyes. And then Penix, like Penix has more of a case. He's already at 2,900 yards passing, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's got more touchdowns than McCarthy. He's got a few more interceptions, but still like, I think Penix actually makes more sense than McCarthy. And if you're giving it to McCarthy, it's just because this is like the year of Michigan in my eyes, at least at this point, unless he has like some massive, massive games coming up where he puts up like 300, 400 yards passing. Like I'm just, I'm not impressed by him specifically, which is why to your point, like it, it does feel kind of silly that it ultimately just becomes a, a quarterback award. And it does feel like in some cases that these, these voters aren't paying attention if they don't really recognize and give, as the kids are saying these days, give flowers to Marvin Harrison Jr. Because like that guy is making plays that truly are separate, like, like that are truly winning Ohio State games and keeping them undefeated at this point, a year where their offense isn't what it usually is. Like JJ McCarthy is going out against Colorado State and Northwestern and putting up solid numbers, but not like incredible Heisman worthy numbers in my eyes. Like, and, and again, that's why I think for him, it also comes down to Ohio State, same way it comes down to what Marvin Harrison does against Michigan. Like, but it, it, it's just crazy to me that like, it's just become so quarterback centric that we kind of ignore some of the context around it. And we, we, we maybe aren't giving the, the credence to Marvin Harrison jr. And I say that understanding that this is an Ohio state podcast. And of course we're going to talk about the Ohio state player, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, it, it seems kind of silly to me in a year like this, where I think just across the board, the Heisman candidates aren't putting up the, the, the greatest numbers and there's some questions to be had about some of these teams. Um, I, I, it feels like the perfect year for Marvin Harrison to be in that conversation. The fact that he's only what sixth in the in the odds right now or seventh is is kind of weird. To me. I think this is where uh, listen. I think for Marvin to have a real chance to win, because I think there's two separate conversations. I think we're like. What does Marvin have to do to become one of the three finalists, three or four finalists, which I think is different than what does Marvin have to do to be one of the three finalists heading into the Michigan game? And that's where I think you have a chance to win it. You know, like, and I'm not just talking about gambling odds. I'm talking about like in the minds, and this is something that we can't really canvas or poll. Like I think over Rutgers, uh, Michigan, uh, sorry, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Michigan State, 
I think if you go out there and you just have it, like put up obscene stats, I think that's your best case. Cause to me, like quarterbacks, you just mentioned a lot of them. Quarterbacks can have bullet riddled resumes yeah. and the response will always be, but they're the best quarterback, but they're, mm-hmm. but they have the best wins, but they have the most yards, right? Like if you're going to unseat a quarterback, you need to go into that Michigan game in striking position of the actual lead. And I don't think you go, if he's still six going to the Michigan game, if that, if the, if the gambling odds reflect the, the, the mentality of the voters, he ain't going to win it. Maybe yeah. he'll make the podium. They ain't going to win it. Right. So I think the next well, and weeks, I, it's about just stacking yeah. ridiculous stats yeah. or big plays or, 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 it's obvious that he's the guy that you're winning Absolutely. and then you can be top three and then it becomes beat Michigan, be the best player in the field. And then you have a real he's, chance. He's got to like, the, like, you're, you're hundred percent right. Like these next three, even the three games leading up to Michigan, if he's going to have a shot, he's got to put up like absurd numbers and he already is, but just like he, he's got to make up some ground for the, the Doug games he had early in the season. Cause I do think too, like I brought up the yards, but the touchdowns matter here too. And if you look at this list of Heisman winning quarterbacks in recent years, like, they were putting up like Sam Bradford and Marcus Mariota put up 53 touchdowns each in the in their years respectively that they won the Heisman. Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow each had 51. Kyler Murray had 51. Tim Tebow had 51 in 2007. I mentioned his numbers maybe something that JJ McCarthy could reach. Like I don't know, but it's it's just like you got to score. And right now, even if you're comparing him to Devonte Smith, which is the only modern era. turn of the 20th century answer 21st century answer that or or example that we have of a wide receiver winning it like he had 17 touchdowns going into the playoff um just for to to bolster his case to win the Heisman and Marvin Harrison's at eight right now like he's got to get up there if he's going to have a shot yeah like if you beat Michigan you you add in yeah you got another game there in the conference championship to add to that but He's got to keep doing what he's doing, and I, I think these next three games are going to be key to at least setting the stage for him to be in the conversation for top three going into the Michigan game. And then if he wins it, all bets are off, and maybe he's got a legitimate shot to actually win it. So, guys, uh, get at us at Nick Wilson says at Spencito on Twitter. The question is, what does Marvin Harrison Jr. have to do? What has to happen, rather, both with him and the rest of the field for him to get? one of the top three finalist spots in the Heisman race.